0: Uh, this section of Proverbs that's a little bit different. We have been talking from 10, 1 to 22.16. The Proverbs are quite random. Almost every verse is a new subject. But starting in 22.17, we have more groupings of Proverbs. Now a lot of times there are two verse groupings, three verse groupings every once in a while, one verse grouping. But it's still clustered more. And so we can kind of look at a context a little bit more. Um, so that's that's where we're at and what we're doing. We're starting at 23, 4. So would somebody read 4 and 5? Do not weary yourself to gain wealth. <clears throat> Cease from your consideration of it. When you set your eyes on it, it is gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings, like an eagle that flies toward the heavens. Okay, that's pretty clear. What's he warning us not to do? Yeah, don't wear yourself out to get rich. Do people ever do that? Yeah, that's right. You know, that is such an obsession for people. Their materialistic focus just drives them. To do more and more and figure out more ways and schemes to get more wealth so they can have more stuff. And when we have that mindset, it's really not good for us. For one thing, it's not good for us because of verse 5. What happens with riches? yeah they sprout wings and fly off <laughs> it's amazing how quickly you can lose things the accumulation of half a lifetime can vanish in a half an hour if, if you know because all sorts of things can happen you know fire uh, the economy tanks the stock market uh, crashes uh, uh, so forth and so on there or you die <laughs> And you lose it all. So it, you put all this effort into getting more and more and more, and then suddenly it's gone. Wow. The more you get, the more you have to lose. So don't put so much focus and effort into getting. And remember, with everything you get, your tendency is to just crave more. It's rare that we get to where we think, well, I've got plenty, I don't really want any more. <laughs> you know, we always want a little bit more than what we have, and so often we go to way too great lengths to try to get it. Comments and thoughts on that? Chris? How do you know when you're putting too much effort? I mean, you gotta put something into it. What would you say about that? What would be too much effort? When it affects your spiritual life. When it affects and damages your spiritual life. That would certainly be true, right? The second phrase in verse 4 in the ESV says, be discerning enough to desist. So you have to have some discernment of you know how much you need. <coughs> yes. When you're perhaps putting effort towards what things that you want instead of that's always hard to distinguish between two, isn't it? How much time is you putting into it versus how much time you're putting into like whether it's like Bible study, you know, or prayer spiritual things? Okay, a time thing. What about this? You know, how much do we think about material things? How much is just Having more dominate our focus. Um, I think that becomes a really critical thing. Should we work? Yes. Why? Yes. God says to. God built us to work. I mean, it's not like working is a bad thing. You know, should we work hard? Yes. Yeah. Diligence is a proper thing. You know, it's right for us to say, okay, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do a good job because that's what we ought to do. But when that becomes kind of the obsession and very focused on, I want this, I want this, I want that. And we put a lot of, we put a lot of our heart into the stuff. As opposed to just, you know, I'm going to, to work hard for the Lord. I'm going to do a good job. Even at my job, you know, I realize that I owe that to God. And so I'm going to do Or maybe you're in school. Should you, should you work in school? Sure. You should. Sure. And should you work hard in school? Yeah. I mean, not like some heroic thing that distracts you totally from anything spiritually. But yeah, do a good job. But don't just start being obsessed If I get this grade, and I get this test score, maybe I can get to this college, maybe I can do that, maybe I can make this, and it becomes like your obsession. Because when we're focused on the material side of it, that's bad. When we're just trying to work hard as for the Lord, that's good. I don't know, what do you think? some of my thoughts. I mean, there's a lot to think about with that, and the balance is tough. Well, how about uh, 6 to 8? We're in Proverbs 23, 6 to 8. Do not eat the bread of a selfish man, or desire his delicacies. For as he thinks within himself, so he is. He says to you, eat and drink, but his heart is not with you. You will vomit up the morsel you have eaten and waste your compliments. Isn't that a, an interesting <laughs> proverb? I don't know another one quite like this one. What's he warning you about? Really jealous of the rich man. We shouldn't be, but that's not really what he's saying here. He's warning us against compliments. Not quite. This is a hard one to figure out more kind of a uh, a warning against the attitude of people who make money and keep it because of their love. For the money. Says it says, my version says the word money. <laughs> don't desire the delicacies, so don't desire the things that he indulges in. Um, yeah, but I don't think that's quite the right angle either, Jacob. He's, you know, <coughs> the selfish man is always trying to get something out, so he's not just going to give you anything without expecting something to do. Yes, that's more along the right line. You know, he's saying, listen, some selfish, greedy person invites you to dinner. (laughs) Now, when he invites you to dinner, what's he going to say to you? What does everyone say to you when they sit you at the table? Dig in. Dig in. Help yourself. Eat all you want. But what's in his heart? He wants something. Yeah? He's eating my stuff. Yes! He's eating my food. That was expensive. Whoa, he's eating that too, and he's eating that too. He said, eat all you want. But he's selfish and greedy. He didn't mean eat all you want. And every time you eat another bite, it's going it's to upset him. So he's saying, Think about and be wise when it comes to a stingy person and accepting his hospitality. You know, he's gonna wear the mask of generosity, but there's behind that mask a greedy calculator who is doing mental arithmetic, every bite you put in your mouth. There are people like that. And it's what they think, not what they say that matters. And so he's just warning you. There's a lot of people like that. Is it right to be like that? You know, is it okay to tell somebody, eat all you want when we don't mean it? Is that the right thing? (coughs) No, that's dishonest. You know, but he's warning us there are a lot of people like that in the world. Think about it. Be careful not to like, take advantage of somebody's hospitality, especially worldly people, or especially people who aren't overly sincere. Because they're going to keep saying, oh, it's fine. You know, you just go ahead and do that. You know, they're going to say, let's see about something that'd be relevant to you. I don't know if this happens anymore. And a lot of you don't drive yet. But those of you who drive, do you, have any of you ever like, had a friend loan you their car? that ever happened. Yeah, few of you not a whole lot. You know, what does a friend say when they loan you your car? Oh, you know, just just uh, do anything you want, go anywhere you need to. What do they mean by that? baby. Yeah, exactly. Don't you put a scratch on this. And and I've got it written down how many miles are on it. I don't want more than 10 more miles put on it. You know, that kind of thing. They didn't mean for you to take it to Florida. (laughs) They may have said, oh, go anywhere you want, do anything you need. It's no big deal. But you think about it, and how would you know if they are probably not really that generous? What would be a clue they're very eager to let you have it. Well maybe, yeah. I was going to keep on repeating the same thing over and over again. Yeah, I'm thinking something else. Check, to Check up on you on your car. <laughs> okay, yes, yeah, so I'm thinking about something else. What would, be a, what would make you think they probably will be pretty sensitive about what I do with this car? How they treat that car? Yes if they have it just polished and shiny perfectly <laughs> and if they're always doting over it and you know, taking special care with it and you know, uh, I don't know how this was, I, I don't know if anybody does this anymore, but with Kyle, the first car he bought himself, every once in a while we'd be in the car and I'd drive it and it bothered him if, if I even accelerated hardly at all <laughs> you know, he didn't do that in that car, he was really taking care of it it's Buddy, you know. It's like I don't think he would have treated my cars that way, but boy, he is, you know. It just, and just and you see somebody like that, you can be pretty sure they didn't really mean for you to do anything you wanted to. So be thoughtful about that. It's just so common human nature. It's amazing how different what we say and what we mean are. Thoughts. Okay. Uh, let's see. How about uh, verse nine? Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the words of your wit- or the wisdom of your words. Yeah, you might as well not even bother to try to reason with a fool. You remember what <clears throat> Jesus said about casting your pearls before swine? Just what kind of value do pigs put on pearls? They'll never appreciate them. You know, it just it doesn't mean anything to him. And a fool will never listen to wisdom. You can't reason with him. Have you ever seen somebody like that, somebody who's stubborn and foolish, and you start trying to argue a point with them that you're clearly right about? How, does the, how do those conversations usually go? Funny. Funny? That wouldn't have been my term for it. Frustrating. Frustrating. That was, that was what I was thinking. Man, they're frustrating because you can logically prove your point so well and they'll still argue theirs. Who, do, who does that remind you of? What kind of person does that remind you of? Somebody who, even though you logically show them they're wrong, they continue insisting on their point? A child. Yes, or even more. Teenage guy. A teenager. <laughs> yeah, about a 13, 14, 15-year-old guy. Some of you are in that category. But, yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's amazing. Uh, it's, it's hard for us to have wisdom mm-hmm. when we come into that phase. And, uh, you know, but, but we, he's thinking here about adult fools, that they just do not appreciate wisdom. And don't think that if you have the logic, you're going to convince everybody. Some people will never be convinced. (coughs) Thoughts? 10 and 11. Do not move the ancient boundary or go into the fields of fatherless. For their Redeemer is strong. He will plead their case against you. Okay, yeah. Now this is something you see several times in the scriptures. This boundary business. What's the ancient boundary he's talking about? Property line. The property line. Now remember, God was the one that divided the properties in the land of Israel among the tribes and then the families and all that. So really, the boundary lines go back to what the Lord established back in Joshua and all that. But why would anybody move a boundary line? Get more. To get more property that they can farm for themselves. And they would be particularly tempted to do that, say, with their orphans who may be young and defenseless. It's easy to take advantage of vulnerable, weak people who probably won't have the clout to do anything about it. So why does it matter? If if they don't have any influence or if they're not gonna know, then who cares if I move the boundary line? God. God. See, God specially looks after the vulnerable. And when we take advantage of somebody like that, the Lord knows, and he is not happy about it. So we always have to remember God when we take advantage of somebody who may not be able to defend or protect themselves, but God knows. Thoughts or comments about that? And then in verse 12, he says, apply your heart to discipline and your ears to words of knowledge. Now, I like that because when we think about discipline, think about verbal discipline. Think about people telling you what you need to hear. We often think about you need to listen. You know, you ought to listen to the person who's correcting you. But this goes a step farther. Besides listening, what do we need to do? What? Train. Train. Follow scripture. Follow scripture. Besides our ears, what do we need to use? Heart. Our heart. We've got to take it into us. Sometimes you can politely listen, but it never really gets inside of you and affects you. But we if we're really going to change when somebody corrects us, it's got to change our heart. You know, some people are very polite listeners. And they'll thank you and they'll say, oh, that was wonderful. And then you just go right out and disregard everything. So take it into your heart if it's valuable. Thoughts? All right, he speaks of a particular form of discipline, 13 and 14. Do not withhold correction from <clears> the <throat> child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod, and he will deliver his soul from hell. Yes. So what's he telling us? yeah, disciplining who? children Children. Um, why is that important? absolutely it trains it teaches and it shapes him now he says don't hold back discipline from the child although you strike him with the rod he will not die you know when you spank a child, the child may think he's going to die. <laughs> but you won't, he won't. Now, what is the discipline? What is the difference? There's a lot of, you know, in our society, this is kind of a discussed point. What's the difference between discipline and child abuse? Your attitude. Your attitude. What's, what's the attitude when you're discipline versus abuse? Yeah. Well, when you discipline, you're sad because you don't want to hurt your child. Well, when you're, like, uh, abusing him, you're doing it because it makes you feel better about yourself. Yes. You know, what would be the purpose of proper spanking, proper discipline? Helping to the child. To help the child. If you are, if, 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 say it's your child. I realize most of you don't have them yet, but you need to think about when you will. You are not spanking your child if you're doing it properly because you're upset, really aggravates you, and you're just mad, and so you hit. That is not discipline. That's just our selfish expression of anger. But that's not discipline. See that? Maybe. That that's not discipline because it's self-focused. It's, it's, you know, it's just me being upset and me venting my anger. When you really properly discipline, you love the child and you're doing it because that's what you believe is best for the child. That's not always the way people discipline. Discipline, (laughs) in quotes, you know, Sometimes parents are like, you made me mad. You know, you hurt my whatever. I'm gonna beat you. That is that is horrible. That's never the right thing. But, what if you don't spank a child? What if you don't discipline a father? You just gotta let it go. What might, what's gonna happen? <laughs> They're gonna think that it's okay. They're gonna think it's okay. They're gonna, what okay. Yeah, they're going to think it's okay. They're never going to learn. They need limits set that they have to respect. They need to learn to respect their parents. That's a part of what God intends. You know, and so if you don't correct your children, what kind of an adult is he going to grow up to be more than likely? Undisciplined. You know, it it hurts a child. Most of the time, I think, children would do better with too much rather than too little discipline. That's my observation about it. Now what we want to do is lovingly and firmly discipline our children to where you know they are uh, they are shaped and guided. Let me give you an illustration. What if you tell your child you know don't touch this screen and he looks at you and he touches the screen, but it really not matter a whole lot. And you're, you're talking to somebody on the phone, and this and that's going on, and whatever, you know, I don't worry about it. But then let's say you have this uh, situation uh, where the child wasn't doing anything wrong, but at the table one night, accidentally, he knocks the milk off and it spills over everything and it messes everything up. Now, when are you most likely going to want to discipline your child? When he frustrates you. But what's he going to learn if he accidentally knocked the milk over and you spank him? How is that going to help him? I don't think it will. This was not defiant, this was an accident. Now, I understand if he disobeyed you, and in the process he knocked the milk over, the disobedience would need to be disciplined. But just because it had a bad consequence, but it wasn't disobedience, it wasn't rebellion, it doesn't need to be spanked. We just pitched it, and we eat work, on getting it cleaned up. You know, it's okay that he has to help with the consequences of even his accident, that's reasonable, but not that he's to blame for that. But when you told him not to do this, and he does it, but you distracted, you don't have to deal with it. What does he learn? He's, he's not that it. big of a deal. It doesn't matter if I obey my parents or not. At least sometimes it doesn't matter. I don't understand, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> do you see how the child doesn't learn to respect authority? When parents are very inconsistent in their discipline, the child just learns, who knows? Sometimes dad's in a bad mood. And and I hear parents saying that. I hear parents saying, like, you know, I'm really, I'm really tired tonight. Better not do anything. Well, so what's the discipline based on? How the parent feels. Not guiding the child in the right way. Now, you can. Some of you are probably thinking about times your parents have done that, but I'm not trying to critique your parents. I'm trying to help you think about how you can be the right kind of parent. Um, I mean, yeah, let me ask you this Whose responsibility is it to discipline our children? <coughs> God's. God's, and then who did he give it to? Parents. Parents, yeah. You know, I can't just farm that out to somebody else. Well, maybe, maybe these people discipline my children. That's my job. As a parent, I need to get involved with them and love them enough to discipline or correct them. Um, so, he won't die. <laughs> you know, you'll strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from shield. You know, this is a way to actually bless him and keep him from an early death. <laughs> you know, because he's going to learn to respect authority. He's going to learn wisdom and it's actually going to be a blessing for him in the long run i doubt here when he speaks about the rod that he's trying to mandate a particular instrument i think this is a figure for discipline we need to discipline in whatever way is appropriate for the benefit of our children do you have some comments or questions on 13 and 14. okay um so i guess like before you discipline your child maybe you should check your motive for doing it in the first place? Absolutely. Because there are going to be times where they do frustrating things. I mean, there might, there's still some frustration in you, but can you like, make it a balance between frustration and love? Well, I think you need to act for what you believe is best for the child. And as a parent, you need to control your level of frustration and anger. You know, it's going to hurt you when the child disobeys. I mean, it's not like you're going to say, oh, this is wonderful. I love the fact that you disobeyed. I'm going to thank you for this. No, that hurts you. But you are not spanking him because you're just going to feel better hitting somebody when you get mad. It's not like that. You are doing it because you know that that's the best thing for the child. It's what God told you to do. And so you try to do it in the way that you think is best for the child. Because... If, you, if it's just based upon your frustration, the truth is some days you get frustrated easier than others. That's true for all of us, isn't it? You know, based upon our stress level or whatever else. Some days something bothers me, some days it doesn't bother me. But if you're only disciplined because, well, it bothered me today, well, how's the child supposed to know when it's going to bother you and when it's not? What do you learn from that? So you really have to control your anger. You have to love your child. You are doing this for what's best for them. And, you know, you need to control your anger. If, if this becomes a matter, what about this? What about some days you're in a good mood? And so the child, you know, does something you told him not to do, and he's like, oh, I just, you shouldn't do that. And some days you're really stressed. the child does that, and you go wallop. No. This is not for you. This is not based on your feelings. It's based on what's best for him. What about this? You know, there's various forms of punishment. Some of them I think are better than others. But what about a child does something that frustrates you? And maybe we're talking about, you know, a seven-year-old. You're like, you're grounded for a year. <laughs> What do you think about that kind of punishment? Unrealistic. Yes, it's unrealistic. Ever know any kid who's been grounded for a year? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Parents can't keep up with that. And probably not very helpful to the child. After a while, when you're seven years old, you've forgotten what you did. All you remember is the grounding. I personally prefer punishments that are quick and are over because I'd like to have the reconciliation with the child. I'd have to keep dealing with the punishment. Other thoughts? Logan? What would you say to people that might think that once your kid gets to be a teenager, he's too old for physical discipline? I would agree. Absolutely. So, yeah. what would you, recommend? would you recommend using grounding in that case? Or? Well, I'm not necessarily saying I wouldn't ground in any sense. But here's something that I think is an important principle. But the thing I want you to do. One of the things that's difficult about talking to this group about these things is you're tempted to think about your parents. And you're tempted to think, well, my parents should do this and should do that. Whatever your parents do that's between them and God, I want you to think about your children. Because I did. I thought a lot about having children before I ever had children. And I had set up some ideas in my mind of what I thought I ought to do before I ever had them. That was really helpful to me. I'm not saying I always followed everything I purposed. But it was very helpful for me to have thought about that up front. But here's something that I think is important as a parent. When your child is small, you are, by physical discipline, you are correcting and training. But your goal ultimately is not that you will always be there and be spanking your kid as he gets to be a teenager in his 20s, in his 30s, in his 40s. <laughs> you know, you're over there. What, so what's your goal ultimately with your child? To guide them. To guide them to the point where? They don't need to. Because they? Discipline themselves. Discipline themselves. Your ultimate goal is to shape the heart of your child. Now, if you take an 18-year-old, And the only reason he does what's right is because you're looking and you're going to spank him if he doesn't. But if you weren't looking, he'd do do whatever. Well, (laughs) that doesn't help a whole lot. You haven't attained your goal. You want to get to the point where the child applies wisdom because he has it in his heart. You want to teach and train and that's what Proverbs says a lot. While spanking is clearly in this verse, Proverbs says a lot more about training and teaching and molding the heart. We teach our children you need to retain this wisdom and keep it in your heart and let it guide and direct you. So as the child gets older, we're trying to help the child. Hopefully, he's been disciplined and he respects us. You know, respect is not something you're ever going to just mandate. You know as long as my children lived at home. If, I, if Kyle, Kyle got to the point where he was way bigger than me, I mean, physical force wise, I suspect if, if he had tried to wrestle me when he was 18, he'd have beaten me fairly easily. Um, but there was never a question. that I was his parent and he was the child. And if I told him, Kyle, you will not do this, he might have not liked it but he would have obeyed me. Not because he thought I was bigger and I could make him do it. He he knew he was bigger than me. It didn't matter. He understood and respected the fact that I had the role of the parent. It was his responsibility to obey me. And, And that's what it must come to. You discipline consistently. You teach and train respect. Your children get older and they obey you. They do what you tell them to. They may not always like it or see the point of it, but they respect you. That's what you want. If it's just a matter, of I'm bigger than you, I can beat you. As they get older,